Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen and amen. It is a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord. It is, it is good to greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and I hope you are excited. God is here. Amen? Amen. Let me see. Last Sunday, we started, we began our new sermon series on, does anybody know what it is? Oh, come on. It's right there in front of you. It is on the seven last words of Jesus. Words spoken by Jesus as he hangs on the cross, dying. And last week, Major Phil spoke about the first word of Jesus to the people who were crucifying him. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. So just imagine, church, in the middle of being treated meanly, Jesus prayed and poured out forgiveness. See, because of this forgiveness we receive through Jesus Christ, we are able to forgive even when people don't deserve it. So this morning, today, we will look at and continue on to the second word. The second word that Jesus said on the cross at Calvary. Before we do that, let's pray. Father God, right now we just ask that you will just continue, continue to work in our, in our hearts to soften it, Lord, and open our minds and our eyes to you and to your word, not my words, but your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your word. May it come alive in us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church, one thing to remember And to understand that the first two of the seven words of Jesus deals with the subject of forgiveness. The first two. And you will notice that if you you read your Bible and as you study, there's always a point or a theme that is repeated more than once. And that tells us it must be that important. And so here, it was important for Jesus and for Jesus to teach us the whole idea of forgiveness, that he had to say it again, not just on his first word, but he also says the idea of forgiveness on the second word, at the cross. And I believe God knows how deeply we all struggle with the idea and the concept of forgiveness, even though we may not realize it. And you're probably sitting there here, and you were here last week, and you're saying to yourself, Major Debbie, we've learned it, we've heard it about forgiveness last week. Yes, we did. But this morning, church, I believe that God still has something to share with us, to teach us about what forgiveness is. See, most of the time when we think of the cross of Calvary, We pretty much focus on the cross that held Jesus. However, there wasn't just one cross on that day. Have you ever wondered why there were two other crosses next to Jesus on that hill called Golgotha? Well, Luke 23 tells us in verse 32 that there are two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. 
When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. You see, have you ever wondered about these two men? Who are they? What did they do to deserve, deserve crucifixion? And why did all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, include them in the crucifixion account? You see, the Greek word that Luke uses about these two criminals means, and listen, one who uses violence to rob. You see, they were not your typical thieves who would go in and steal. They did more than that. They did more just than stealing. It could be they could have probably involved, were involved in assault, in terrorizing, in hostage, and murder. When you think about it, it is something that we all see and we all hear in our society till today. Just turn on the television, read newspapers, or go into the social media. And when someone commits a crime like that, they get caught. And what happens? They go to jail, don't they, right? But not in the Roman times. Jail time was not jail time. It was crucifixion time. Being hung on the cross was Rome's punishment for criminals, for foreigners, and slaves who who were not Roman citizens. It was the most agonizing and cruel death. You see, nails were driven into their hands and feet. And church, that's not all. They were left to suffer, hung on the cross, in pain, and sometimes for two to six days before their death. Both criminals, both criminals were suffering the pain of crucifixion. Both criminals... As these two cross represent those criminals this morning, they want to be saved from death. Both criminals receiving what they deserve. Both criminals heard Jesus say on the cross, right in the middle of where they are, forgive them. Father, forgive them. But both criminals are in the presence of the Savior. But church, and yet... And yet, their reaction to Jesus was very different on that day in Golgotha. See, most of us have much in common with these two criminals. We, too, suffer on account of our sins. And none of us can say, I don't deserve this. You see, we, too, want to be saved. We have heard about Jesus, his death on the cross. And the forgiveness that he gives to us. And yet, and yet, we react and respond to Jesus in two ways. And so this morning, church, we are going to examine and look at the reactions, the ways how these two criminals on the cross, how they reacted to the Savior that was in between the two of them on that center cross. And so let's start with the criminal on the left. The criminal on my left, I'm looking at it this way. Let's take this, this cross as the left. Luke 23 says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insult at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. The one who was hanging and dying, broken 
and bloody with just a few minutes of left of his life. And what does he do? He hurled insults, hatred, and rejection of Jesus. He yells, he yelled at Jesus, aren't you the Messiah? You see, he was not making a statement of faith. He was being sarcastic and demeaning. You see, he also asked to be saved. However, there was no brokenness or humility in his heart. He had not repented over his sin. He just saw Jesus, some guy who he could manipulate and even so that he can get off the cross. He wouldn't come to face to face with who he was and what he needed to do to get his life, his life right. You see, church, it is a choice that we all must make. We all have to make that choice. And this man either couldn't let go of his pride, of his past, or something else, and he rejected Jesus. He had a calloused heart. A heart. And who knows what might have calloused it. I can imagine. It could have been, think of his life. Maybe he's had an abusive parent. And then a faithful, unfaithful spouse. A lifetime of crime. How about maybe he had some friends that just did him bad. Maybe at work he got fired. Or maybe he's had a negative religious experience. It could have been all kinds of things that led him to where he was. It's the same with people that we know. We all have things that we can that we can allow. We all have things that we can let into our lives that allow us to be callous. You see, I've had things in my life that could turn me away from God. Haven't you? You see, this man rejected the only hope he had in the world that was right next to him. Right next to him. Doesn't this man describe us too today? In the world that we live in, what we see today, we see no sorrow for sin, no repentance for sin, no life of service for God. You see, this man on the cross of rejection shows us that Christ would not force himself on anyone. He only makes himself available. But this man, the choice is really was his and ours. And this man on this cross tells us, tells us that a person may be very close to the means of salvation, but, it's, but they still miss it. So close. And this criminal on this cross wanted to be saved by Jesus from his pain and agony. But guess what? He was stubborn. Stubborn. And this man on this cross tells us, tells us that those who insist on their cross of rejection will be lost forever. You see, the criminal on Jesus' left had a heart of rejection. A heart of rejection. So let's look at the criminal on Jesus' right. That's the left. And now let's look at the right. Luke 23 tells us as it continues that, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly. For we are getting what 
our deed deserved. But this man has done nothing wrong. You see, the criminal on Jesus' right was in the same condition, situation as the other man on this side. He was broken and bloody and dying with only a few moments to live. But you see, his response was radically different than the other criminal. The condition of his heart was different. And the second criminal even rebuked the other criminal, saying, don't you fear God? And so this man right here, the second criminal, did fear God and believed that Jesus is God. And he had a holy fear of God. You see, God was real to him. And I can imagine at some point while he was hanging on that cross, he came to the reality. He came face to face with the kind of person that he had been. He he even accepted that he was getting exactly what he deserved. You know, we all must get to a point in our lives before we can ever accept the life that Jesus wants to offer us. We have to realize that without God's forgiveness, without God's forgiveness, we'll be getting exactly what we deserve. But you see, when we accept that forgiveness, church, we get grace. And grace is when we get what we don't deserve. But what does justice Justice is when we get what we deserve. And justice was being served at the cross for those two criminals. You see, this criminal accepted his punishment, which is something that he deserved. He even says it in the scripture, we are punished justly. And what punishment is that, church? It is death. Death on the cross. And what a reminder for our lives this morning as well. Because you see, For the wages of sin is death. And this criminal was not afraid to die. For then he turned to Jesus and says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. The last thing he did was throw himself on the mercy of God. He admitted Jesus was the hope. That he had and asked him to remember him. That's all he asked is to remember him. And what does Jesus say and answer him back? What's his answer? He says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. Notice that response. Today, not later, not tomorrow. He says, today, not even a delay, instant, immediate gratification. Totally different response from the other criminal. Why? It is grace. Grace. It is a gift of God for an undeserving sinner. The second criminal realized something that God owes him nothing. And that any good that comes Our way is because of God's mercy and not on our own doing, on our own merits. Which is why this criminal, he pleaded instead of demanding it. Which is why he asked instead of insisted. 
You see, the man had a change of heart. He realized that rejecting Jesus was not the way to go. He knew he needed Jesus, and he believed in him. And Jesus tells us that he who believes in me shall not perish but have eternal life. And this criminal on the right had a repentant heart, resulted to him to be in, with God in paradise. Church, remember that God spent two of his last words on what? Forgiveness. It is because God knows how hard it is for us to forgive people. But he also, he knows how hard it is for us, a lot of us, to believe that God would actually forgive us. Even if we say that we are a believer, we are Christ follower, we often still don't think that God would ever forgive us. Because we keep failing and failing over and over again. But church, he does forgive us. So this morning, as we conclude, there's a simple question I want us to consider. We have just looked and talked about these two criminals on, on the cross. And the question is not, are you a criminal or a thief? That's not the question here this morning. You see, the scripture tells us that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that if we are in our sin and have not been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, church, then we are worse than the two criminals, aren't we? So the question is this morning, will you be like the man on the cross who repented? Or will you be like the man on the cross who rejected Jesus? It seems to me that the crosses on each side of Jesus is very real. And it represents the ultimate choice that you and I must make. How you choose determines not only the way you live your life here on earth, but where you will spend eternity. So are you going to choose today in your life a life for Jesus or not? Are you going to begin this morning giving every part of your life to Jesus? I mean every part. I think about your job, your money, your possessions, your family, your marriage, your, I'm sorry for some of you who loves your car. Yes, your car too. Your time. Everything you are to Jesus. Or are you going to keep denying, keep denying and rejecting him with the way that you live your life? Eleanor Roosevelt said, once philosophy is not best expressed in words, it is expressed in the choices one makes. In the long run, we, we shape our lives and we shape ourselves. The process never ends until we die. And the choices we make are ultimately our responsibility. You see, the beautiful thing is that when we give those things over to Jesus, he shows us how to live in ways we never have before. Remember the promise. He came so that we may have life and have it to the full. I know we want to be the boss of our own life, don't we? But he's better equipped to run your life than you are.
He created you, and he knows you better than you know yourself. The choice is up to you this morning, and you, may, and you have to make it. William James once said, when you have a choice to make and don't make it, that, that is in itself a choice. So you see, we all have a choice to make. Do you want to live for Jesus and the purposes for your life? Or do you want to keep living without him? We need to live lives that reflect God's glory more and more as we grow in Christ. You see, the way we live reflects whether you have already been changed by the blood of Jesus. You see, these two men who were being crucified with Jesus are really a representation of the rest of mankind. You see, there are only two kinds of people in the world. People who are followers of Christ and people who are not. That's it. When it comes to the last day, church, when it comes down, that is all that really matters is not how much money you have. It won't matter, which is good to have some money, though, but it won't matter. What kind of house you live, it won't matter. What kind of car, again, you have or you love, it won't matter. It won't matter. What will matter is this, church. Did you choose to follow Jesus with your whole being? Did you choose to live out your purposes which you were created? Did you love God with all your heart and serve him alone and only him? That's all that will matter, church. None of these material stuff, what's on the outside, they're good temporarily. The only thing that will matter is spiritual, your devotion to Christ, and living in the way that he has told us to live, to live in his word. How you live your life on a Sunday, yes, like today, should be the same as your Monday, which is tomorrow, until through Saturday. We all came to church this morning. We all came to church this morning to hear the word of God. And God's word to the second criminal on that cross was, today you will be with me in paradise. So church, will you take the truth, and that is the truth, and live with the certainty, the certainty of assurance that when you die, which we all will, that when you die, that you will be in paradise? The certainty, and not... I don't think so. No, the certainty, being assured of that you will be with him in paradise. Church, I don't know where you are today. But for the most part, our struggles come in different forms. Like the two criminals, we all need Jesus. We all need Jesus. And this criminal right here to the left of Jesus in his time of agony and struggle and challenges and even death. How many of us feel like that at times, don't we? That we feel like we're dying. Can't handle life. Life is rough. But in that time, what did he do? He rejected Jesus instead of turning to him. And to me, how sad it is that he died with his sin. He did. But on the other side of that the center cross is another criminal with the same struggles, maybe a different level, same struggles, pain, and suffering. 
acted a different way, seek out to Jesus and saw the center cross who shed the blood for his sins. And you see, Isaiah tells us that though our sins are like scarlet, but Jesus says, I will make them white as snow. That's what grace is, church. When we receive Jesus and on that center cross reminds us that whatever we're going through, whatever we're going through, we need to know that we can turn to the center and, and seek him out and ask him to forgive us.